morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. I want to share with you a message this morning entitled, Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up. You know, we live in a world uh, in which there are difficulties, challenges, heartaches. We heard some of those in our prayer time this morning. Uh, And sometimes we reach a point in regards to the things of life that we feel like giving up. We feel like, I just can't deal with this anymore, face this anymore, carry on with this anymore, and we feel like giving up. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is sharing with his disciples, and he begins the chapter by telling two parables. And if we remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's important for us when we look at that to see that there are many things within the story of a parable that are not directly parallel to the truth or the meaning of the parable but that there are many things within the parable and the meaning of the parable that is exactly and directly parallel to the truth that is intended. And so as we look at that, it's always important that we don't take something in a parable the wrong way or that we try to apply it in a way that it shouldn't be applied, that we be very careful about that. So let's begin reading in chapter 18 of the Gospel of Luke, the very first verse today. It says this, Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not give up. Okay? Now listen, here's the reason for the parable. He's telling this parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not give up. So he said this, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and who did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling. But afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, Yet because of this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect, who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, we're going to stop right there, and I, I want you to, to think about that question that was just asked. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's an interesting question. But it's also a very disturbing question. If you stop and think about what's really being said, Jesus is saying, when I return, 
will I find anyone who is still living by faith, living in obedience, doing my will on the face of the earth? That's really the question that he's asking. Think about that for a moment as it applies to our lives. If he were to return today, would he find us living by faith? Would he find us living in obedience? Would he find us being true to the truths of his word? Or will we have given up? Will we have surrendered those things because of the influence and the impact of the world around us? So I ask this question. Is it possible in life situations for us to reach a point that we give up on our Christian faith and our Christian principles. That we just eventually come to the point that we say, I can't do this any longer. Whether we say that intentionally or subconsciously, and our actions prove it out, but do we, can we reach that point? Let me give you some examples. So there's a businessman. And he is competing in a world that is ruthless. A world that, would we say, takes no prisoners. The world in which we live today. And so in order to get ahead in business, people lie. People cheat. People manipulate. People misrepresent. And this businessman who is a Christian says, I can't compete. I can't compete with people who are lying. I can't compete with people who are cheating. I can't compete with people who are manipulating the situation to get the greatest advantage for them. I can't do things the way they should be done and make a living. I'll starve to death and starve my family. And so he reaches a point that he says, Listen, I give up. I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do what everybody else does because I have to provide for my family. I'm, I know people who have reached that point. I'm sure you probably know people who have reached that point. What about marriage? Marriage is what we call or often refer to a traditional thing in life. If we look around in the world today, we know that for many years now, statistics have said that over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And when we look at those statistics, we begin to understand that those statistics aren't any different for Christian people than they are non-Christian people. For believers or people who have faith and those who have no faith. And so we look at that, and in the world today... 59% of people who are 18 to 44 years of age have or are currently cohabitating with a partner without being married. And so they've reached a point that they've given up on marriage. Not as a tradition, but as a biblical principle. And they want the partnership and they want the companionship, but they don't want the commitment and the difficulties that come with marriage, and so they say, we're we're just not going to get married. We're just going to live together. Not only are 59% of those 18 to 44 doing that, 
But also, statistically, 69%, 69% of people, just people in general, will answer the question, it's okay for them to live together even though they never intend to get married. And so at some point, the vast majority of people in the world, believers or non-believers, have reached the point that they say, I'm not going to fight it anymore. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else seems to be getting along with it. Everything else is fine. And so I'm just going to give up on the principle that God's Word says that we should be married, man and woman, husband and wife. And so we see these instances and these occurrences and these things happening in which people begin to give up on living the Christian principles that are taught in God's Word. I think about a few years ago, maybe about five to seven years ago, there was a movie that came out. And the movie was entitled, God's Not Dead. And in the movie, there was a young college student, a freshman in school. His name was Josh Wheaton. And Josh Wheaton was faced with a dilemma. And the dilemma that he was faced with is that he had entered into a register to take a philosophy class. And in the philosophy class, there was an instructor, a professor, if you would. And he began the class by saying, if you want to pass this class... All you have to do is take out a piece of paper and write on it three simple words and sign your name. And those words are, God is dead. Sign your name. And he said, if you'll do that, then we're headed down the road. We don't have to worry about that debate or go into any of those details. And you're headed down the road to pass the class. Well, Josh Wheaton determined that he could not do that. Because he didn't want to give up on his Christian principles. And so in the midst of that, he was faced with the possibility of failing the course. He was faced with the possibility of losing his girlfriend and being shunned by other friends and people. And looked at as ridiculous because he just wouldn't write three words and sign his name to it on the paper whether he believed it or not. So we made a movie about that. And in the movie, Josh Wheaton is heralded as a hero because he was willing to take a stand. Why? Why does that make him a hero? Because most people are not willing to take the stand. Most believers would just simply give up. Write the three words, sign their name, and be done with it. And so we look into God's Word today, and we read in this text, and He says, when... The Son of Man returns. Will he find anyone who's living by faith? And oftentimes we just kind of gloss over that and we read it and we move on. But the reality is, it's a very serious question. It's a very troubling question. Are we living life in a world today that that is so difficult, that is so overwhelming, that are so challenging that there are more and more believers each and every day who are giving in to the influence and the impact of the world. They're surrendering their faith. They're giving up on their Christian principles, and they're not living by faith any longer. And if that's the case, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith 
on the face of earth? That's a very impactful question. And so he says, listen, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't surrender to that influence or that impact. Did you hear him say that? Go back up to the very beginning of the text where we began, and he says this. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not give up. He's telling the parable for this purpose. The purpose is to say, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this influence and this impact and this overwhelming thing to give up on my Christian principles? That everybody else is doing it, everything else is going this way, and so I just surrender and give up and go that way. And he says, don't do that. Remain faithful, remain obedient, remain true to the truths of God's Word. And he said, here's how you do that. Pray and don't give up. And so he begins to teach this parable about prayer. Here's the first thing I want you to note. God does hear our prayers. The parable teaches us that. It is talking about this judge. Now understand, the judge is not a parallel to God. Okay, understand that. Because it says that he doesn't fear God and he has no respect for man. That's not my God. My God has respect for man and love for man. So, so the judge is not a parallel for God. But what he does teach us is that God does hear our prayers because the judge is hearing the message. And the message is this woman, this widow, keeps coming to him over and over and over again. And she's bringing to him a request for, for protection against her enemy that there would be some type of legal recourse to deal with those that she's having to deal with in life. And he has heard this message over and over and over again. There's the parallel. The parallel is God does hear our prayers. Don't stop praying. Don't give up on the principle of prayer. Don't give up on the teachings of prayer. Be faithful to continually and consistently lift our voices to God and communicate with Him. Prayer is our avenue and our ability to communicate with the Heavenly Father. His Word is His ability and avenue to communicate to us. And so we have the ability to carry on a conversation with our Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, and it carries on and it takes place within our prayer life and with the application of the truths of God's Word. And so he says, don't give up on that. Continue steadfastly in your prayers. Continue steadfastly in faith that you believe that God hears your prayers, that God will respond to you and meet your needs. Second thing I want us to see is this. God desires His best for us. Again, not paralleled in the parable. Because in the parable, He says what? Listen, I don't fear God, I don't respect man. That's who I am. I mean, He admits it in, as Jesus tells the story. The judge says, this is who I am. And I wouldn't care anything about this woman or her request except for one thing. What did he say? She keeps coming to me. She's going to wear me out. She's not giving up. She's going to be consistent. 
And so we look and we say, hey, listen, God does hear our prayers, but he also desires the best for us. This judge wasn't looking for the best for this woman. He was looking for the best for himself. He was looking in the idea that he did not want her to continually come over and over and over again and continue. And he said, she's not going to give up. And if she keeps on, she's going to wear me out. And so I'm going to give her what she asked for. Was that the best for her? Maybe, maybe not. But he really didn't care. He just didn't want her to come to him any longer. He wanted to be done with it. When you understand, that's not how God is. God does care. And God wants the very best for you and I in life. He wants the very best for us when we come to Him and we seek His will and we seek His word to live in faith and obedience to Him. He wants the very best for us. And the Scripture tells us that over and over and over again. If you go over in Luke chapter 11, He talks about man. And if, we, if a man's willing to give to his children a good gift, and he talks about several different instances. If they ask for a bread, they don't give them a stone. Or if they ask for a fish, they don't give them a serpent. And he says all of these, these, these characteristics of, of, hey, you know, if human beings who are sinful people know to give their children good gifts, how much more then is your Heavenly Father in Heaven going to give you what is what? Best for you. That's what he does. He wants what's best for our life. He said that he came that we might have life and we might live it more abundantly. God hears our prayers and He desires His best for us. He always wants what's best for us. God never puts us in a position for, for life to turn out as, as bad as it can. God never desires for us for things to be miserable and difficult and challenging in life. That's not what He wants for us. He wants the best for us. It's oftentimes our own sinfulness and the, cho and the choices that we make and the directions that we take that lead us into these positions of difficulty and challenges and, and obstacles that are in life. But God wants what's best for us. And we know that because He gave His very best for us. And that He gave His only begotten Son to die for your sins and for my sins, to take our place, to be the substitution for us in a sacrifice that paid the price for our sins. So God does hear our prayers, and God desires His best for us. And then third and finally, delayed answers may be needed to bring us to His will. Here's the thing I want us to understand, is that prayer life is not about what we want. Prayer life is about understanding what God wants and being able to put that into to motion in our lives. And so sometimes the delay in answer to prayer has to do with bringing us to understand His will, to understand how He desires to work and to carry out in that situation. So let's pick up and continue to read in the 18th chapter where we dropped off. And he asked the question, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the face of earth? And he also told them a parable of certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. And here's the story. Again, remember, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Not everything parallels. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax gatherer. 
the Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax gatherer who's over here next to me. I fast twice a day. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, these are the words of Jesus, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. So, so he turns his attention toward our prayer life. He turns our attention and he says, hey, listen, if you want to remain faithful and not give up, here's how you do it. Pray. And then he says, but by the way, here's how you pray. And prayer should be humble. Prayer is not a shopping list of what we want or we desire or we like or or what we want God to deliver for us. It's not what prayer life is, not at all. We see that in the Pharisee, and the Pharisee says, oh, I am so glad I'm not like these reprobates. I am so glad that I'm far above and superior to them and not like them at all. I mean, that's what he said in essence, right? He he was braggadocious about his life and his righteousness and his spiritual journey. And he's this wonderful person. And then there's this tax gatherer who humbles himself, lowers himself before the Lord and says... Have mercy on me because I am a sinner. And Jesus says, this is the guy who has prayer life right. This is the guy who understands what it means to be faithful and to be obedient. Is he perfect? Far from it. He admits that he's a sinful person. And in the midst of admitting that, he asks for God's mercy. And so he's seeking for God to work in his heart and his life, not telling God how wonderful. And so when we look at our prayer life, he says, listen, here's the thing. Sometimes answered is delayed because I need to bring you to understand what my will is. Sometimes answered is, answer is put on hold in order for you to get your heart right and to be where you need to be in, in order to, to remain faithful to me. But he said, here's the most important thing. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There's a story that goes around about the dark days of World War II that the um, great Winston Churchill was speaking. And, uh, and we often tell this story, and it's interesting to me as we go back and we learn history that, that oftentimes the story is not told correctly. Oftentimes people say that Winston Churchill got up and strolled to the podium, and when he reached the podium, he only said a few words. And the few words are indeed a part of the speech. And he says, never, never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. And the story goes, he goes back to his seat and sits down and that's it. Well, it's not actually accurate. The, the speech actually, as most speakers would be, is real, really more like 12 minutes long. And he says a whole lot more in regards to what he says in the speech. And he says this, but 
For everyone, surely, what we have gone through in this period. These are Churchill's words. So he's talking about the war and the struggle they've been facing. And he goes on and he says, through this period, he's talking about this last period, the the last several months. I am addressing myself to the school. Surely from this period of ten months, now he defines it, this period of ten months, this is the lesson. So he says, here's what we've learned, and there's much more to this speech. Like I said, it's like 12 minutes long, but, but there's a lot more than we ever say that there is. And then he says this, never give up. Never give up. Never, never, never in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give up. That's the context of the speech. And there's more to it than just that. But what he is saying is this, is in everything that we face, in everything that we do, never give up. In light of these last ten months and all that we've been through, and we feel like we've reached a point that maybe we're ready just to give up. I can't do it any longer. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. I I just can't fight it any longer. I'm ready to give up. He says, don't. Don't give up. And that's exactly why Jesus told the parable. Is the parable is that in everything, when we're facing the challenges and difficulties of life, he says, pray and never give up. And he says that the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will, but rather it is to get God's will done through us. And he said when we can begin to understand that that's what our prayer life is all about, And that's what life of faith is all about. Then when Jesus returns, he will find faith on the face of the earth. But we've got to get this right if we're going to remain faithful and obedient to the truths of God's Word. Never give up. Never, never, never give up in things great or things small, large or petty, Never, by prayer, never give up. And so this morning, we're going to offer an invitation here. And the invitation is for us in our lives to look and to consider where we are in regards to our journey and our spiritual life. Maybe we've reached a point that we've looked around and we sometimes feel like giving up. Maybe we face some things and some challenges and difficulties that we think, man, I just can't do this any longer. And Jesus teaches us these parables to say to us, with prayer, never give up. If you have a decision.